Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Anglers Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we talk with one of the best anglers on the West Coast, Kyle Grover. We start the show out with a tribute to Aaron Martins. We talk about what he meant to us and the sport as a whole. We bring Kyle in about halfway through the episode and we have a great chat about cutting edge Western techniques, some fun travel stories, and some insights on the boat business. I think you guys will really enjoy. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. We hope you guys have all had a great week and uh, hopefully you're getting ready to do some fishing this weekend. It's been, you know, it's honestly been a pretty challenging week for the whole fishing community, um, you know, myself included, Nick and Rob and, and, and basically everyone I know, as you all know, and I'm sure as you all know, uh, we lost Aaron Martins this week and he's someone that had a huge impact on, on my life, on a lot of different lives. And we figured we'd start this podcast a little bit differently. We'll get into the stuff we usually talk about, but I figured we'd start by talking about Aaron a little bit and pay a little tribute because he meant so much to us. And, uh, you know, Rob, I know you knew Aaron first, man. What, uh, what are some things that really struck you about Aaron? Um, I don't know. It's funny how I think John Murray and I were fishing a uh, ABA championship at Lake Mead when we first met him. And it was just mind boggling. I mean, it got to a point with Aaron that like, if he beat you, you just expected it. You know what I mean? That's the type of angler he was. And like, very few guys like that. Yeah. Very few. Like he was like, if you got second to him, which I don't know if I ever did, uh, but I mean, it was still like you won because that guy was just such a freak of a fisherman <laughs> and and a unique approach. Um, you know, a lot of guys would fish deep or shallow and Aaron would fish in between and catch all the fish. <laughs> That's just the type of fisherman he was, you know, and um, strong competitor, um, just passionate about fish and fishing and uh, always had a smile on his face. Um always had the cleanest rig. I mean, he'd show up with a lowered, a lowered suburban and a, uh, a purple bass boat. And, you know, he made a statement like that, but everything was sharp. Like the guy had class and style and, um, just, uh, always had the fastest boats. I mean, he ran Rangers back in the day when Rangers weren't fast, but they're always fast. His were always <laughs> fast. And it just, you know, it's just Aaron, like, I was fortunate to be around when, when he was young and you just knew he was special. You knew he was going to do special things. I mean, there's certain guys that went back East that you're like, eh, they might do good. They might not. But when Aaron made that decision, you just knew he was going to do good. He was going to, and, and to hear all like the, the guys that were, you know, big names back East talk about when they first met Aaron is pretty interesting because we all knew him out West here and we knew what he was going to do and he did what he was going to do. I mean, it just, the guy was phenomenal fisherman and, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I just remember him and his mom fishing. I remember, I don't, it, I was just, I feel fortunate to have been around, uh, you know, and watched him, He and I were never that close, but uh, always cordial and uh, just uh, a solid dude and definitely will be missed. Well said, man. That's awesome. It's pretty cool that he he did that you mentioned fishing with his mom like he I mean his first tournament partner was his mom and his mom and Aaron <laughs> mopped up 
the Southern California tournament scene when he was younger, you know, and, and he, he just graduated and graduated and graduated until he was at the very top of the game. But it's a unique, it's, it's, his story is so unique and he's such a unique guy just for all the things you mentioned above, but that's just another cool thing. And his mom's such a nice person, you know, she still fishes uh, tournaments to this day and she's the friendliest, nicest lady. She, she loves fishing so much. It's uh, it's it's easy to see how Aaron uh, became the way he he is about fishing. How about you, Nick? What are some of the things that you uh, you know? I know you didn't know him a, a ton personally, but I know you you watched him just like we all did, man. And and uh, I know there's some stuff that probably stuck with you also. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you just framed it nicely there. I didn't have a whole lot of personal. I only met him one time, <laughs> and I'm if my memory serves me correctly, I'm pretty sure it was when you were fishing the elites at uh, Falcon Lake. I had a little gig for rigid, like a little contract work where I pulled a boat out there for him. And then I got to hang out with you and, and witness that. And as a, as a car guy, as much as a fisherman, it's funny, Rob, you talked about his rig. I remember I knew who he was obviously, but I had never met him. And at that time he had like a brand new, like totally badass F-350 dually. And it was slant, like, it was down. It wasn't like jacked up and big tires. Like most of the bass fishing community, it was like lowered and leveled and clean and looking good and he had like the mega bass wrap and like it was just it was a sweet piece so i remember that so much being like damn like aaron martins has it like that's a that's (laughs) that's like a unique rig that you would not see in a bass fishing tournament never mind the fact that he got a top 10 i'm pretty sure in that tournament and he was doing his thing and obviously everyone talks about and it's right just what a talented and gifted angler he was and I mean, he just crushed it. I also really appreciated his personality. There was nothing better than Aaron Martin's on a weigh-in stage. Dude, the things he would say and the mannerisms he had, it was just like, it was just entertaining. And he didn't necessarily like, it wasn't, I don't even think it was a show. It was just who he was. And like, it's cool, man. Like just, a, we, we all have a big hole, you know, left where he was. And he's on to a better place. I think we can all know that. But man, it's a, it's a hole that can't be filled. That's for sure. That's great, man. Go ahead, Rob. Uh, Bassmasters did a uh, 25-minute video of him, and it is just vintage Aaron and a must-watch. It's phenomenal. Cool. Props <laughs> to them. You it's think it's cool. a YouTube thing, or where'd you see that? Yeah, just I think you can just – it's all over YouTube. Just Google cool. Aaron, Aaron Martins. and uh, Tribute. It's, uh, it's, it's his two wins in 15, and it's just phenomenal. So – Cool. Yeah, you know, he had such a unique style. He would win tournaments in ways that that no one else would even think of, for sure. And, and Nick, you're talking about his weigh-in stage, you know, uh, the stuff he would say up there. And he was so genuine. There was no – none of the uh, cookie-cutter stuff that other fishermen would say. He would say – he'd tell you what he had for lunch. He'd tell you, you know, what his <laughs> yeah. kids were up to. <laughs> it could be the most random stuff. I'll I'll never forget – at the uh, the year after, so he won it. Obviously, I think four angler of the year, three or four. Uh, the the last one he won, or the second to last one he won, they always, you know, the angler of the year would give a speech at the classic, and his speech at the <laughs> dinner uh, the the night before the classic started. They call it a night of champions, and the angler of the year would give the speech, and his speech 
it went on forever and ever and ever dude. and it was one of the best speeches and fishing was not mentioned at all dude he's talking about different types of proteins and all kinds of the most random stuff and i loved it i couldn't get enough of it man and i i remember my parents always watching uh the weigh-ins too would always get a kick out of what he said you know my mom made a made a comment one time about how aaron mentioned that he he was um thinking so hard out there on the water that he gave himself a headache. <laughs> imagine, imagine the internal dialogue that he was having with himself 99% of the time. Like that Seriously. alone would be like top shelf comedy. Like you can only imagine what was going through his mind because you could hear what he would say. And it's funny because on the way in stage, normally that's when people get the most like scripted, Yes, kind of obnoxious it, and annoying about like you know how this outboard took me here and this trolling motor got me there and this rod hooked this fish and that was not his approach it's like refreshing seriously you're right man you're right totally right it is the most scripted time uh <laughs> so you know also talking about just how how uh different his fishing style was and stuff like he really accelerated i'd say as much or more than any other angler he accelerated techniques certain techniques and just in fishing across the country he took a lot of west coast stuff you know mainly namely drop shotting but other stuff too and brought it <clears throat> made it made it really known countrywide more than any, anyone else and um he he there were times where you wanted to fish like aaron and be like aaron but there were also times where he had such a different style and he was so advanced it was like well that's what he does but <laughs> I don't think anyone else can do it like Aaron. You know what I mean? Like there, there were a lot of times on the water, I'd see him doing something and I would just be like, what in the world, dude? Like, why is he over there? Or uh, what's he doing there? And then he'd come in with twice the weight that I had <laughs> at the end <laughs> of the day. Um, you know, and he was so meticulous with tackle. You'd see him sometimes he'd be sitting, he'd be, he'd be on, on the water and practice or even in the tournament and he would be have his rod locker open or his, his tackle storage open and you drive by and then you'd fish the spot and drive by again. He's still sitting there and he's still got the deal open and it's been 25 minutes and it's like, what in the world? But he had something in mind and he was executing, he might've been changing from six pound test to seven pound test on that rod. And, and, and who knows what he was doing, but he was so, his tackle was always so perfect. And, and we've got, you know, any, his organization was so perfect. You talk about how his, how his boats were always so fast, Rob, but it, it had to have been because he probably had nothing in the boats, right? I mean, he had just... I, I think that was a lot of it. I think he had what he needed that day, and that was it. Like, yeah, um, I think he was, I mean, my Executing entire... a game plan, right? Yeah, I carried everything I owned in yeah. my boat. <laughs> Same here. I can't. I'm too much of a freak to take any of it out. I'm too scared. But he would. Yeah. He would just, uh, he, he'd have exactly what he needed. You're right. Um, I wrote down a couple a couple quick stories, and then uh, we'll, we'll talk about some other stuff. But the uh, the first time I really got, got to be around Aaron was my first year fishing um on the elites in 2013 and uh we were at our third or fourth term of the year i had had some ups and downs already you know a bad tournament a good tournament and i'm still really really new to the whole scene not really uh you know sure what the future held and we get to west point lake and it's a really really tough body of water compared to some of the body of, bodies of water you fish 
conditions are tough. It's post-spawn, spawn slash post-spawn, but we've had tons of rain. The lake is, is super high, uh, water's dirty, and it's really hard to see a bed fish. You know, and I remember I don't catch crap the first day of the tournament. I've got like two dinks. I mean, one of the worst days ever. Um, I might have been sitting in dead last that day, and, and I'm pretty down in the dumps. And Aaron is behind me, and he's got like a tournament-leading bag. He's telling someone how he just caught a bed fish. Remember, it's cloudy and the water's dirty. And he's telling me, he's telling someone how he caught this five pounder off a bed in like four feet of water. And I'm like, dude, how? How do you? How in the world do you even see a bed fish in those conditions? You know. And uh, but I'll never forget. Like he asked, he goes, "Hey, bro, how, how do you do, man?" And and I show my bag, and uh, you know, a lot of guys are are just competitive and, and they don't they don't take the time to try to make you feel better in a situation like that. And he literally put his arm on my shoulder and he's like, it's all right, bro. You know, sometimes we all have days like this, but you'll get them tomorrow and you'll be all right. You know, it's just the beginning of the season. And it was actually really comforting and I wasn't really expecting that. And uh, it just goes, it was the the first time I really saw who he was as a person. And, And he's like that all the time. He was always like that. You know, he had this monster bag of fish and, uh, you know, there's a rookie, uh, a completely irrelevant rookie in front of him. You know, he didn't even have to say anything. And um, as I got to know him more and more, you just would see that more and more. But um, not too many guys would, would do that, especially in that situation. Yeah. They, yeah. They, M- most would not even talk to the talk yeah, to the, the rookie yeah. in front with with two potato chips and a weigh-in bag. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty special. Um, and then, uh, you know, we talk about, I think I've talked about this one on the podcast too, but just that for, for a, a chuckle, Aaron, you know, he was so dominant with all of his wins and, you know, his angler of the years and stuff like that. There's no question how amazing he was, but, but on the, from the entertainment factor, when he would, uh, when he would lose a fish, it was the most unbelievable thing because he was so competitive, so competitive. And he took so much pride in having his tackle perfect and his setup perfect and everything perfect. So when he would lose a fish, he would come unglued. And, uh, you know, we've seen him on TV, you know, you know, hit the deck and collapse. He'd lose a fish and collapse on the deck and, and, and make a big deal of it. Um, but there was one that I, I got to see, and I probably told it on the podcast, but that uh, small mouth, I watched him lose at Mille Lacs. Have I told you guys that one? I don't it's so. an oldie if you have. So, okay. So, it's it's the angler of the year championship we're at Mille Lacs and it is a glass calm day it's a you could hear a pin drop out on the lake and Aaron and I are sharing a a boulder field and we're I don't know how far apart we are maybe 50 yards or something like that but it's so calm I mean you could this conversation we're having you could hear it clearly from the other boat just super quiet out and he's already got 20 plus pounds in the boat it's late in the day He's throwing a football jig and he is bombing this football jig. I mean, he's throwing it so far and uh, yeah, you hear him whiz it out there and you can hear the skirt, you know, flying through the air cause it's so calm. Right. And uh, he sets the hook on a fish and I look over there and this thing comes up and boils and it's, and smallmouth can jump. This thing is too big to jump. It just like gurgles on the surface and, uh, I'm like, holy crap, that's a big one, you know, and I'm watching him fight it all the way to the boat and he gets it to the side of the boat and he's playing it back and forth and the fish isn't ready to come in and he plays it back and forth so many times. 
and it just comes off. <laughs> and he goes, no, not that one. Not that one. Anyone but that one. Not that one. Not that one. Anyone but that one. And, and he's just yelling it. And uh, his, his marshal, I'll never forget, goes, did you lose one? No. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Aaron, for like the next however long, is like, dude, that was like, a, that was like a six and a quarter. Dude, that was like a – that was probably a five and three quarters. Dude, that was like a six and a half. It was a six-pounder, dude. Six-pounder, dude. Dude, it might have been seven. Six, six and a quarter for sure. And, and he's just going over and over about the size of that fish, you know. And uh, same thing, it gets quiet for a while, and then he's, he looks at me and he goes, hey, bro, did you see that one I lost? I'm like, yeah, I saw it, dude. <laughs> it was a big one. Uh, but that was, a, that was one of those epic Aaron Martin's moments where he's just, you know, the wheels are spinning 100 miles an hour, and I was the only one that got to see it other than his marshal, who apparently barely saw him lose the fish, even though he was right next to him. Um, it's cool too that like an elite true top of the sport person like that loses a big one and then murders himself for it for 30 minutes and even continues to say how big it was. It's funny as someone who's like the opposite end of that spectrum and that happens to me. And for like an hour, I'm just self doubting everything about it. Like how big it was this, that it's like, it's cool. Like it just brings the human element of who he was regardless of his accomplishments into light. Totally. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, there was absolutely no one better <laughs> at any of the stuff we mentioned above, but uh, yeah, that is just fishing. It still it hurt him man. when you lost one, right? Like yep. it was a good one. It's like devastating. Yeah. It probably didn't hurt. He had still had a great tournament, but uh, right. Like it didn't yeah. change check range, anything like that, but it still just hurts. I remember at the end of the day and it might've been that day or the next day, but he had another just monster in his bag it went like an absolute freak in his bag it weigh in and like everyone's seeing this fish and they're like Aaron look at that fish how big is that and he's like which one and he's like holding up I almost thought he was messing with it when he's holding up every other fish except that one in his bag he's like this one and it was like a four he's like no dude that other one that he's like this one and it's another four and uh, they're like no dude that thing's over six and he's like what which one I, I swear he was messing with us but uh, man we're all gonna miss him that uh we could go on for days and days. And if you, if you'd go on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube right now, you'll find your share of Aaron Martin stories because everyone's got them. Yeah. But uh, let's, uh, let's talk about some other stuff. What, uh, what's been going on, uh, you know, in your world, guys. Um, I know Nick did a little fishing, Rob did a little hunting. Um, I, ahead, uh, yeah, I'll jump on that one here. first. Go ahead, Nick. Um, <laughs> I did, man. I had one of those little spontaneous, uh, Last week was just one of those ones where I think we were all kind of just coasting uphill into the weekend and I was dying to go fishing and I uh, I made the decision at 11.45 p.m. to back my truck up and hook onto my boat so I could blast off early first light so that I wouldn't wake up the two-year-old who had finally fallen asleep on the floor in our bedroom at about 11.25. I was like, I'm going for it. Screw it. So I woke up all the neighbors except for the two-year-old with my straight pipe to diesel backing into my boat. So the stage was set and I blasted off. I went to a canyon, which is you catch nothing, 342 consecutive trips there. But on the 343rd trip, maybe you'll catch something. And if you do, it's probably a good one. And so 
I had a head full of dreams, man. I was like, it's going to happen. I slept like 97 minutes, bombed down to Canyon Saturday morning, and uh, I lost Shamu. I hooked a good one. I had my own Aaron Martin's moment. Like, it, it was almost like I didn't What did you do even... when it came off? So, luckily, I brought my chihuahua. So, she's like my support therapy animal. If I ever have to be a tenant, I know how to get past the no pets rule with her. And so, it felt so surreal, man. I made this long cast, just like you're saying. And, oh, I hooked up. And I look over to Roxy, and she's asleep on my jacket. And I'm like, I got him. I got him. You literally just, looked at her and said that? Oh, I was so excited, dude. Like, it was instantly, you knew it was a good one. Like, where I was fishing and everything was like, you weren't going to catch a rat. And so, comes up and jumps, and it's just like Jurassic. Just water splashes everywhere. And he, I stay tight, you know, and I it was at the end of a long cast, so you have to fight it a long ways. And I still got it. And I'm trying, I'm trying. I get it about two-thirds of the way to the boat. It's probably 40 feet now from the boat. And I'm in this like epic tug of war where like, I'm not making any ground. And then all of a sudden I can feel it start swimming up. I was like, no more jumps, please. And I had the tip down and I'm reeling as fast as I can. And it came up and just effortlessly like spit the bait and then just like rolled over and swam back down to the bottom. And I sat there and like, I had a moment where I wanted to just snap my rod and throw it in the lake and take the other piece and jab it through my quarterary artery in my neck. <laughs> But I didn't. And then I thought to myself, it almost was okay because of all the ridiculous steps to get to that point. I was good with it. And dude, my dog barely even woke up. She just like opened one eye and looked at me and then went back to sleep. And then I had no bites and I caught nothing the rest of the morning and I went home. Terrible. (laughs) Well, was it over three? Yeah, it, was like, it was like two and three quarters. <laughs> no, how big do you think it was? Uh, dude, I made a fool out of myself earlier this year thinking a, a lowly six-pounder was much bigger than that. So, I don't know, six to eight. It was a good one. Maybe good it's one. one of those sneakers that, like, you put on a scale and it surprises you in a positive way. But it was definitely in that range. You know, it was it was big enough that, like, when it jumped, the first jump was cartoonish, it cart, like cartwheeled. But then the next time it like was one of those really intelligent, like little head shake, like I don't need this in my mouth anymore jumps. So I don't know. It was a good one. Suffice to say, I would have rather taken a glory shot for the gram and used all my hashtags than posting nothing and crying for six days afterwards. Yeah, it's a bummer, man. That, it's, it's really cool that you got to have that fish on and, and that's why you go out there and throw, throw a bait like that to do that. But it's, it would have been much more fun if it got in the boat. I was trying to yeah. get him to admit it was a 10-pounder, Rob, but he's, he's too honest right It's got to be coming, man. Uh, just a liar. But I'm, I'm excited because I manipulated a hall pass, so Mexico on a bus 2.0 is happening. Well, that's cool, dude. Glad you got out. Hopefully you can do it again uh, you know, in this next coming week. Next yeah. time, go to Saguaro. I did, uh, I did a guide trip with um, – our buddy Carson, Josh. Yep. And I got the the guy in the small aluminum rigged out bass boat, like a cool oh, boat. It's a Vexus, right? No, no. Well, his boat is, but I'm talking about a guy that rolled up to us. Oh, okay. It was like, it was like rattle, rattle can oh, black. Yes, that's my man. Uh, he was from California and he had nothing but big baits in his boat. <laughs> He's like, hey, bro, you got a scale? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he had a couple three-pound, three-and-a-halves, and one that was <laughs> well over six. 
I'm like, great. So, yeah, you're like, this makes me look great today. You're not even from look- here and you caught yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's hilarious. All you need to do though, if your clients look at it, well, you had a cool guy, but you'd be like, hey, bro, can I see that rod that you're throwing? Hand it to your client and be like, try and cast that. <laughs> they'd be like he'd throw it in the lake for one and then you'd owe the guy like twenty three thousand dollars you'd have to trade him your truck carson for- could have cast it though that would have been yeah carson would have been so. fine yeah yeah, yeah your typical problem. client yeah it would have yeah. been hilarious it would have been the matt sure 2.0 remember matt's story about throwing that a-rig <laughs> yeah. you remember that he said he threw his a-rig out and his so he's throwing it on braid and the braid dug into his spool and there was he went to oh. wind up and throw it so hard. There was so much momentum that his rod <laughs> catapulted out of his <laughs> It went flying way, way, way uh, into the air and straight into the lake. And he just sat there <laughs> dumbfounded laughing. What are you going to do? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Love it, man. We need to get Matt back on. Dude, you know how have we not? Matt Shura, VIP, all-star. Do you remember the getting hooked in the dinger? I think that's what we even named that episode. <laughs> that <was a> great <laughs> episode. If you, and, if you dude, have stories like that. We need, yeah, I'll, I'll call him and get him back okay. this week. Um, all right, well, how about you, Rob? What's up your way, dude? Uh, we had a successful hunt. Um, I was not the tag holder. We had uh, a couple guys, um, a couple buddies. Uh, my buddy Les shot a nice buck. Uh, I think two days before, well, today's the last day of the season, as a matter of fact. Oh. So he shot it a couple of days before nice. the season was over. Um, and the other one we can't, is going to go unnamed because he got the the blessing from his boss to call in sick and none of his coworkers knew that. So we're not going to use nice. his name, but he shot a nice buck on Saturday night. Um, both, you know, good shots. Um, this is because you guided them, right? You kept them well-fed. You took them to the spot holding their hand. We weren't, I mean, I mean, they wouldn't have got these without you, Rob, right? I mean, like this is you and your element. Stop, stop. <laughs> This is you. This is all no, you. No, it has nothing to do with me. I was just a tag along. We, so we had we had fun though. It was it was um, a lot warmer than it should have been. Um, I mean, we're, we're mid November almost, and there was a couple mornings where I was in a t shirt. So Dude, it's yeah. another week of it too. 80, yeah, eighty-eight just, in the next couple yeah, of days. Yeah, it makes these coos deer hard to hunt. Really? They're, yeah, they um, they don't move a lot. Um, you know, when it's hot like that. So, but all in all is a successful hunt. Uh, we were able to get one shot kills, um, able to get to the deer quick and get the meat and it was good. So you mentioned a one shot kill. I have never hunted, but how bad do you feel? Like, is that like, is that the worst feeling ever when you injure one and you can't find it? Like, has that ever happened to you? Oh, um, trying to think if I've ever lost one. I know I have. I don't even remember. Because it what probably it was, happens, right? Like it's it does anyone, happen. It does happen. Terrible. Yeah, <laughs> but it. Uh, I mean, it's. I don't know. You just have to. You have to take a good shot. Wait right. till the animal's in a good spot, and you know it's. Yeah. Because uh, there is nothing worse than having to do multiple shots after you get over to them. Because that's one concern I have. Like, sorry to sick. cut you off. Yeah, like I just don't even have confidence that I can shoot accurately and then with adrenaline coursing through my veins and I would be so afraid I'd just shoot it like in the butt and then never find it and yeah cry myself yeah. to sleep yeah it's it's not a good feeling when that happens but thank goodness no. this hunt wasn't like that and uh worked out good so sp- speaking of this hunt I don't know if you re- I, well I do know you remember the road that you drove up Nick <laughs> <laughs> my my 14 year old f-250 certainly does so think about that like 
we saw a couple vehicles pull up to it and literally turn around and not go down. <laughs> that Dude, it was quitters, it was bro. It might so have our, changed. Our monsoons were hard on our our little forest service uh, roads out in the middle of nowhere. So were they? Oh yeah, it uh, it washed them out pretty bad and made them uh, just. It washes all that undersoil out, and then you have nothing but rock. Yeah, like, it's just <laughs> mean boulders <laughs> that move, right? Yeah. So, but anyhow, we got through it. It was good. It was successful. Um, and then my hunt starts. Actually, my buddy Alex and his wife have an elk hunt that starts the day after Thanksgiving, and then I've got one that starts the second week of December, um, a coos deer hunt. So, still a lot of hunting to go. That's cool, man. Gonna yep. have some. Gonna have some meat, hopefully, man. Yep. So, and put That's a lot cool. of fat in the sausage this time for me, please. Yes, I will. <laughs> uh, I hate cheese, and he snuck cheddar cheese and sausage for me one time, and I've never lived it down. He did it all for you. I, I had forgotten about that. Yeah, I'm making. I'm, we're going to eat all the um, like the back straps, tenderloins. Just you know, cut those up or put them on the Traeger and smoke them or whatever. And um, I'm going to cook an entire front quarter on the Traeger. I want to huh. try that. And then the the other quarters I'm going to uh, turn into mostly jerky, I think. So. Sweet. Are you going to make yeah. the jerky yourself also again? Yep. Yeah, yep. sweet, man. Yeah, yeah. you guys oh, cool. had some of that, didn't you? Yeah, I think it was elk. Elk jerky, But yeah. still unbelievable. It was yep. so good. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't leave the bathroom for a week after that. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm hey, I'm glad it was good, dude. That's cool. And uh, do you have any – go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry, dude. I'm just talking too much coffee. How much meat does a coos deer give you? Not a lot. I didn't it's, think so, right? Like, how much do you get? I don't 20 know. Pounds? Wait, no, you get more than that. I mean, probably 50-ish. Oh, okay. wow. Somewhere but in the range. But what's an elk? What do you get Just from an guess. average elk? A couple hundred pounds. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Close to that, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yep. If you had the choice between the two, do you take, I mean, say it was, you just had wise? one, but yeah, like, oh, uh, yeah, an elk steak or all. Deer, really? Coos deer all day long. Yes. No way. Yep. Yeah. You I'm can have, by that. you can have meal Dude. deer. I'm not a fan of the taste of meal deer, but coos deer are phenomenal and elk is good. So. How interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Is that cool. diet lifestyle? What do you think causes the difference? It's got to be what they're eating. Yep. Yep. Cool interesting uh well sweet man um what's up with you josh you know not a whole lot i was at that cup uh last week and those are the one events that are the events that i can't talk about so it was i can say that it was out of downtown dallas so it's pretty <laughs> interesting having a tournament out of downtown i mean straight yeah, how downtown. did were the logistics of that everything you were anticipating yeah i'm glad i didn't have my boat there i'll say that you know some anglers had to bring their boats to do some some sponsor fishing uh, events and stuff like that and then the boat officials you know the boat officials had ev so you know we would just on our fishing days have to go sit in the in the truck and get driven to the lake and go fish the boat officials had to drive that traffic to and from the lake every day with no days off um you know, right at rush hour, you're leaving the lake at four o'clock. So you're, you're hitting rush hour. And then the boat yard was, was pretty hilarious. Um, you know, just, <laughs> by no one's fault to just, you know, you get what you get in a city, in the middle of a city like that. So it was very tight. I felt for those guys, but we survived. I hauled, I hauled home at a uh, 14 hour drive and I just pushed through, made it, made it home in uh, one day of driving. And now I'm back home for extended amount of time finally. So 
can get everything back in order um, and just get everything, you know, uh, situated again, start, start thinking about next year. So I'm excited about that. It, uh, it was an okay year, but pretty mediocre. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to have an opportunity to tighten things up going into next year, uh, fishing wise, and just enjoy family time holidays and, uh, you know, watch a little, watch a little bit of football, got, you know, the NFL season's just about a little over halfway done and the Cardinals are the best team in the NFL. So pretty crazy to see, huh. to see that, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm still uh, kind of crossing my fingers cause we'll see how it finishes, but. If this isn't our year, man, we're like the all-star team. I mean, we lost JJ Watt, I know, but it's just funny. Like everything. Then we got Ertz from Philadelphia. Yeah. Like we have, dude, it's like the all-star team. Our wide receivers are a level. Like, so when we don't win the Super Bowl, then it'll just be fully like realized. Yeah. It'll be like, this is our reality in Arizona, but um, <laughs> yeah, other than that, not to, not too much, man. We'll, uh, we'll get more, you know, an upcoming podcast. We'll talk, we'll dive deeper into more fishing stuff as we do more fishing, but uh, we've got a really cool guest today actually. And we're about to bring him in. Um, he's Kyle Grover. Uh, Kyle lives in Southern California. He is one of the top fishermen uh, out West. He's an absolute hammer of a fisherman. Last year he won angler of the year in the uh, Toyota series. Uh, it was either last year or two years ago. He's won a ton of stuff out West. He's, he's, you know, from Clear Lake all the way down to Mead and Havasu and everywhere in between. Uh, you know, he's one of the top dudes and uh, you know, he's gone back East and, and fished really well a bunch of times uh, also. So, um, you know, he also comes from a huge bass fishing lineage and we'll let him talk about that a little bit more, but um, you know, his family, they uh, run Anglers Marine. They're one of the uh, biggest bass fishing, bass boat dealerships uh, around the country. And, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to ask him about, you know, uh, his fishing and also just about the, the business too. So um, if you guys don't have anything else, we'll send it over to Kyle. All right, guys. So we talked about Kyle in the intro, uh, you know, some of his accomplishments on the tournament side and uh, just, you know, um, some, some stuff about his background, but we've got him on now and, uh, he's got a lot more for you guys. So, uh, Kyle, what's up with you, man? Nothing much, man. Just woke up here in California, you know, hanging out. I'm glad I was able to uh, be your alarm clock there. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. we had the time change last week and I forgot California switch. So my bad on that, That's man. So dumb, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, so are you off today? What, what have you been up to? What are things yeah, like uh, your way? Yeah, th Thursday is my day off. We were, we're open six days a week at the shop, and Thursday is my day. We all, the salesmen, we take a day off during the week, and we work on Saturdays. So are you in sales primarily? Yeah, just, just boat sales at the shop, yeah. How's this year been with that, man? Has it been wild? It's been so good the last two years. You know, when the, when the pandemic first started, it was really quiet for like three weeks. You know, normally when something bad with the economy happens like that, the boat business will just eat it you know pleasure something like that's usually the first thing to eat it but then every became everything became you know you got to be outdoors and it was just absolutely sell everything you can after like three weeks the last two summers the showroom's just completely empty it's just it's been great it's stressful just getting product it's what's insane is the amount of boats you could have sold if you if you could get stuff it's a shame yeah I mean, still, it's just been amazing though. Still, I and mean, we've sold we've sold a lot of boats the last couple of years. The lines that we carry, and you know, we're White Rivers. We carry Nitro, Ranger, Track. We're big. We sell a lot of pontoon boats, Tracker Aluminums, Ranger Aluminum. It's just it's we and those are all the biggest lines across all of them. They're number one in all their segments. Bayliner, which is 
So it's just, it's been unbelievable. That's pretty cool, man. Uh, what age were you when you started working, like, like actually working there? I started working when I was a kid, like a teenager. I, I helped at the tackle department a little bit, but they wouldn't let me. It was funny. My parents wouldn't let me work there when I was like after high school, like 18, 19. They really? made me go. Yeah, I had to go get like a real job for a little bit. I worked at a, a I worked at this place called Matrix. It's a they build a like oil silos where they store oil in, uh, in Long Beach and stuff. I worked in like the seal department and just bending metal, just full, like pretty full blown labor for like three years. I did that until they were finally like, all right, you can come up like now that you've, it was good, you know, get some character, like understand yep. what it's like to really work. Uh, yeah. And then, and then they let me come over and start selling boats. It probably made you a hell of a lot better employee. Uh, yes. for them, you know, uh, yeah. just having that other experience, right? Yeah, some legit discipline in my life. Yeah, 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 it helped for sure. I'm glad it's a good experience. I'm glad I did it. How old are you, Kyle? I just turned 35. 35. And when did you start fishing tournaments? Did you start with your dad? Did you start with buddies? What did you do? Yeah, with my dad. Yeah. Okay. Um, I fished, I've, I was, I have two other brothers that just aren't really into it. It's crazy, you know, growing really? up in it. And I, I'm like the only one that's like, I've been... I can remember my, I grew up going to Arkansas and Missouri, going and visiting family. And my dad would go fishing with my grandpa early in the morning. I can remember like crying at five, at five, you know, like he'd leave at 4am and I'd be like, oh, go. <laughs> yeah, so I've just, I've been into it, into it, into it my whole life. I started fishing tournaments with my dad when we were probably 10. If I had to guess, we started into the ABA team tournaments. We used to go to Casitas and Castaic and Kachuma and all that stuff and then i started fishing uh i learned a lot from uh joe uribe we started i see uh he worked at the shop with us i fished with him for a few years just learning how to throw swim baits and stuff like that you know joe was him and his dad had everything before anybody had it they still have trick stuff that nobody oh, had you know, he still wins they tournaments do. and he kicks everyone's ass at havasu and stuff like that. that's still on some trick stuff and i mean like we had osprey swim baits before anybody had one for like a whole year and you know, just stuff like that. Um, and then when I was 16, I, I got my driver's license the day I turned 16, just so I could go fish tournaments by myself and go pond hop and everything. So yeah, my whole life. Mm -hmm. That's Very so cool. awesome, dude. And I know you're just still a total fishing junkie. Like you haven't slowed down at all. You've got a family now, man. <laughs> and you said you have, have uh, three kids, one, three and five, dude. How, how crazy that's got to be, man. That's there. How busy yeah. are they? Yeah, it's busy. I have an awesome wife, you know, that, that really helps with that. It's slowed down my, I don't get to fish a lot of that. I used to fish like every team tournament they had out here every weekend. So that's gone away. It's pretty much just, I fish the, uh, I fish the Juan Bass tournaments out West and then I fish the MLFs. Those are like my, which is a lot to be gone with three kids. You know, I'm gone for seven, eight days, every one of those tournaments. So I get like six or seven weeks and I'm fully gone. And that's a little, I'll cherry pick like, two or three team tournaments a year with my dad and that's that's pretty much it that's cool are any of the kiddos like showing interest in fishing yet they definitely i gotta get them out more it's so hard in southern california and where I, I live in orange county there's like no lakes right here you know you get to drive a minimum of an hour anyway to go north to la or out east to the in the inland empire or down to san diego it's kind of rough i wish i really it's the only thing that Everything else about down here is awesome, other than the, the lake situation. We know there's, there's literally nothing. 
Yeah. So, so crazy. You guys are able to sell so many boats being that far from the water. Yeah. We're like the quick, the good thing about Anaheim is you're like, right. It's kind of like the same thing. You're like right in the middle of everything. You're, you're, you know, like guys from LA or the Inland Empire or San Diego, you know, we have a shop in San Diego too, a small shop, but mm. you're like an hour from every, you're right in the middle and it's not, you don't have to go too far in or like right where the 91 meets the 55. So it's not, it's, it's a, a really good spot where we're at. That's Plus a lot cool. of the people, these family boats, they're going to all the three quarters of the pontoon boats we sell, they're going to Havasu and stuff. They live here and they have houses over there. That's, that's a big part of it. That makes sense, so, man. Go ahead, Rob. What, what year did Angler's Marine open? Angler's Marine opened in ninth. Oh my God. I'm so bad by memory. Roughly. I want to say I'm 80. I'm, I was born in 80. I want to say 70. It just had their 79. I want to say. Wow. wow. That's a long time. Was that your dad? Yeah. Yeah. So my dad, it's a funny story. He would be great on here. You guys should have, but he's, 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 oh, yeah. he's a way better storyteller than me, but he started it. My dad was a carpenter in high school right after high school. He went to college. He, he grew up in uh, uh, Simi Valley out there and, uh, or San Bernardino. And, um, he went to, uh, he was a carpenter and his boss was this guy, Don Doty. And they started fishing him and his buddy, Jeff, uh, Jeff Taby. They were like kids, just like anybody. They liked to bass fish to go sneak a steak when it first opened all that stuff and he was fishing team tournaments with his boss and i want to say he was 19 or 21 and there was no good tackle shop places to buy tackle in southern california like they had to drive in orange county like they had to drive to la to get to a tackle shop and the guy the, the guy who was his boss who owned the company like he had money and he was like hey if i give you you know i think he gave him like fifty thousand dollars if i give you the money to start a tackle shop like will you run it and he was like a kid and he was like yeah yeah i'll do it you know and then that's that's how it started like it started as just a tackle shop and then they started he started selling uh mercury outboards and then he actually became they became a ranger deal they wanted to sell boats they became a ranger dealer for like I, like, I want to tell this story, but it's so much funnier if he tells it. Like, they sold Rangers for, like, a year. And, and then he kind of screwed it up. And then, or then they met my, my mom's dad, John Story, who was the champion guy. And then he started selling champions. He got dropped as the Ranger dealer. And then that's, that was kind of what started the whole thing. And then we, he's been a tracker dealer for a long time. So we've been the tracker dealer here at Nitro and tracker for, for almost as long. Yeah. Josh, are you aware who aware of who Don Doty is? Yeah, I've, I've yeah, I know. No, Josh, heard this, I've heard this. I've heard this name, uh, but you smiled when he mentioned it. Yeah, who is well, he? He was like the founder of U.S. Bass, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, I think yeah. Okay. So him and Rick Schultz and that whole crew started. I mean, Doty was like on the Nitro National Team back. Yeah, then, he was. Too. He was. He was big back then. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Then they bought him out. They bought him out after I. I, I don't remember. I don't know all like the super D's, but they bought him out in the beginning, and it was it was him and his friend Jeff that 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 started it. That it was, it was cool. his, his team partner. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I remember you guys as the the giant champion boat dealer. Yeah, uh, at the champ at the champion boat tournament every year, and yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I can deal. I can remember being a kid going to those tournaments at Lake Mead. My parents my parents still have all the stuff from that. You know, three hundred and fifty boats at Lake Mead. Yeah all being at the showboat hotel and you know, who's heard that in a long time, you know, that's gone. Yeah. Um, those those and, were awesome. Like it would take hours to get out in the morning and 
obviously yeah. hours to weigh in. So pretty yeah. cool though. We've, we've, we've kind of brought it back a little bit, like on a smaller scale. So we have an English Marine, we have an owner's tournament circuit where we like, you have to, it was kind of like the, like kind of like the champion deal. Like you had to have a champion to come fish the tournament. So you have to have bought a boat from us to come fish the tournaments. And we're, they're just at Southern California lakes, you know, a big tournament draw down here is 30 boats, you know, at 30, sometimes they get to 40, like we draw 90 to 130 boats, depending on the tournament. Very cool. And you have to have bought a boat from us to fish it and you can have any of them. And it's kind of, we, we give away a boat at the end. We do a game show style, like what they did in the champion tournaments back in the day you know it takes like an hour to win it's a to give the boat away and everybody guys get up on the stage and knock out it's really fun yeah how cool dude what an awesome culture that you guys have you know over there man that's that's awesome yeah a lot of a lot of those names too that you're bringing up are just like like western bass fishing royalty man like there's a lot a ton of history obviously there um and as a kid, were you like always hanging out at the dealership, like, you know, talking to the fishermen and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would be at the shop on the weekends, help run the register a little bit if I could, just BSing with everybody. You know, it was, it was, there's so many guys that have been in and out of that place all the time that come in. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. A lot of good, a lot of the best guys that still live down here are, they hang out at the shop you know it's always just you know like it's just the culture you know trying to help each other out and the new hot tactics yeah 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 it's, it's the hangout spot uh dude can you talk a little bit about the bassathons man because i never got to go to one um but they they were pretty awesome events from from what i understand yeah we were we were at, we were talking about a couple of days ago and so normally it would be the week before thanksgiving we were at the, the last night we we're at the shop like man look at the man we'd be in We'd be stressing out right now. Really, we were still having the bathathon. It was, it was so much fun. My dad's kind of he's kind of talking about bringing it back in the next year or two. It's really hard. So we, we would have this two day show where you would we would fly in like four or five big name pro. You know everybody's been there. KVD, yeah, I, I mean everybody's has been there. Uh, we had Bill Dan, Sam Parker, all the, and then whoever whoever was hot at the time always like. You know, Brent earlier would be there. I mean, everybody would be there. And um, we would have vendors come in, and you would always have, like, the big, hot, new Southern California swim bait deal. That was really what drove it what, that in its heyday, you know, like in the late 2000s. There'd be, you know, like the Huddleston would have special colors. Uh, all, all the triple trout, like all these bit lunker punker, all the all the stuff that's, like, really staples now. These guys would come, and they would have specialty colors i mean there'd be thousands of people there uh and then others you know, like robo worm would bring special colors and so it just turned into this giant two-day event that there'd be three or four thousand people in the, in the shop just unbelievable line down the door down on the street to get in um and it it was it was awesome for so long and then you know as the internet came around it kind of like it's guy these bait makers can make their own they can just you know they sell their stuff on their own i i tried to buy a glide bait last night the new like hot with a kgb guy i don't know if you guys have heard of that thing that glide bait everybody's throwing you dude know, we're guys, too bubba we, we yeah. don't do as much of that <laughs> yeah these guys sell their stuff out in one minute you know they don't want to come <laughs> sell the stuff at retail and take all the time so it's kind of it's gone away but it, it was so much fun for so long i i think in the next two years you'll we'll bring it back though I, I think he's gonna do it again he's been talking about 
That would be cool. I mean, there's, there, dude, there's, I totally understand. Like, you know, it's a lot of work to put on and, and it's gotta be justifiable to do it. But um, yeah, I definitely, yeah, especially, especially he was actually, he was talking about maybe about this year, like six months ago, but it's just with the having that many people in a warehouse, like the, the COVID deal, everything, it's just kind of put a damper on everything. Understandable. And, and Hey, with all the COVID stuff, it, it definitely we're a year and a half in and I'm start. I do. I miss a lot of those face to face interactions and those shows are fun like when you're doing them all the time like it's it's a lot and 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 sometimes sometimes they can be a pain but sometimes man like well now that we're so far removed uh i miss it big time yeah and even and california is probably the worst of all the state you know already next like there's no they're trying to have like the fred hall next year which was the big show we have here in socal it's not it's not gonna happen like nobody's they've already like put the niche on it it's just yeah, with all the vaccine mandates and everything, that takes out like half of the fishermen probably. <laughs> probably it's, so. It's not going to happen, yeah. Let me ask you this, man. Uh, just like, okay, so so now that you're in sales and stuff and, and just over the years, like being being so close to LA, you've had to have sold some boats to some pretty interesting people. Have you had like, uh, you know, many athletes or, or, uh, or someone like – famous that, that we would never expect to buy a bass boat come in and buy a bass boat from you guys gosh not in the last few years you know the the, the biggest high profile guy yeah mike trout has a guy that comes in and buys tackle for him no way he, <laughs> like yeah because they're right down the street here um and he fishes that there's a little because there's no bass but there's the fishing so brutal around here the guys that live around here all know there's a so across the street from Angel Stadium, there's a driving range that has like a, it's a, it's a lake is what it is. Like you hit the balls into the lake. No way. Like it's cool, but it's absolutely loaded with good ones. Like it's, it's got a lot, like there's a lot, a lot of guys poach it and I've poached it one time before and there's, there's some big ones in there, but you can only fish at night. And the, and the guy that's, or you have to, it's illegal obviously, but he got in with the guy that owns the place and the guy lets him fish like in the mornings or like in the middle of the night and stuff like that he's got like a little boat and he's got a guy that drive, comes over and buys tackle for him he's a big bat he's a big fisherman hilarious um he hasn't bought a boat but he, he goes out with some of the guides around here a few times a year with um, a name like that he better be yeah he won't even <laughs> i'm sure it's i don't know Cope, but yeah he's he's never actually been in the shop though um gosh i'm trying to trying to think of some of the last few years not so much um that's a good question i wish i had one i had a good one there's a lot of people have so much money around here it's 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 all the time people just come in and pay cash for hundred thousand dollar boats all it, it just um, but not how about a the, lot of like how about the game show host that just passed away what was his name he was a big time bad. yeah wasn't he a big time bass fisherman I don't, I don't know. Was he? Yeah, I think I Mike O'Shea know. used to fish with him all the time. Did he? A lot of those yeah. guys, Mike O'Shea, some of those guys, they have those lakes up in LA that are the problem with those super high end lake. There's uh, Sherwood and I can't remember the Sherwood's the one that all like, like Gretzky lives on it and stuff okay. like that. Um, those all have like 9.9 motor uh, regulations on them. So those guys, they have little tiny, I think they have like little aluminum boats that they have. But they they you can't put any big end of horsepower on any of those things, so they don't come in a lot. That makes sense. That's cool, well, dude. Okay, how about? And I don't want you to throw anyone under the bus here, but like, <laughs> have you ever? I, I worked at a boat dealership for a while, and people would bring boats in after having done just 
obscene things to them, right? Like, do you oh, have yeah. one or two stories of like someone that bought a boat and then comes back a month later and, and, uh, you know, rips the engine off or, or just like, or, or anything oh, like, like really, really crazy. We had, a, we had a good one last month. This, this lady bought a, bought a, a, a an 18 foot Ranger that it was you could tell it was because we had no inventory this was like two months ago we had nothing and she just wanted something to go out on big bear lake with which is a lake it's up in the mountains here and it gets like windy up there and kind of rough and there's a lot of boat traffic i want to say it was memorial day uh like the, so it was like the last big weekend in september and she like she also had people sending me pictures from she literally got it and the next week I've got people sending me pictures like, did you sell this? And it's, they were up there and the thing's just completely sitting on this dock underwater. <laughs> like, like the front end of the boat is just, it's just like, it's, it's as full as it can get. Like the boat's it, like it's sunk. Not, it's not sunk. Like it's, it's like completely full though. Like they won't sink, but they'll fill up with water. Sure, you know, yeah. you got the drain plug in and she left it sitting on the back end of their dock and the and didn't like no like drain plug in power completely off so the bilges wouldn't run and just wakes cut wakeboard boats up there and stuff and the wind just fill it oh. up with water it came right back a week later you know you get guys that they take them out they forget to put the build plug in and they fill the boats with water um we've had guys pick their boat up and then total it on the way home oh. <laughs> that's happened before you know, just there's, I mean, you name it, we've seen it, but then you get, you get so many people that just, you know, God bless them because they're buying stuff, but there, there's so many people, especially the last two years, I would say probably half the people buying boats the last two years are new boaters. That's crazy. Uh, it's awesome. Like nonstop calls. Like I get two calls a week, I, I, especially in the summer, two calls a week, you know, they're MFing me on the phone, boat won't start and just they're their kill switch buttons down, you know, you, <laughs> you get stuff like that constantly, you know? Yeah. But yeah, guys thrash everything. I believe it. Yeah. Just with yeah. the amount of boats that you guys turn. And like you said, the new, the new buyers, I mean, Hey, we still do stuff uh, to ourselves constantly. Um, you know, I've, uh, I, I've done a, a bunch of dumb stuff over the years myself, but yeah. Um, yeah like uh, me with my batteries at Lake Mead a couple of last month, you know? Down yeah. It, it happens, man. It was a freak deal, but um, yeah, dude, you ended up in your underwear on the bank. Yeah, yeah, Josh. It was it was so funny, Josh. I, I I'm forever grateful for Josh right here because he he was he was down to come get me. I thought I, I at the U.S. Open I killed my crank battery and I was done. Josh just happened to be fishing right next to me. The fish are loaded. I'm like, what? Like I was catching them. He pulls up. He's catching them. <laughs> I drained my crank battery. It was mistake of mine i was showing my boat to a bunch of people the day before and it didn't get plugged back in so my battery was toast and i was like josh do you have a jumper cable i had nothing to jump my jump anything and he came and grabbed my fish and i was like i had a i had, I had a little jumper box that i had already burned through and it was dead and he was going to charge it for me and my i had him take my fish my co-angler jump put like and he was going to come back and check on me in half an hour. And I had all the batteries completely disconnected, trying to mess with it. Boats blowing up on the bank. Got to get in my underwear to, to keep <laughs> because it was cold. I was wearing all my clothes. I walked the boat down the bank in my underwear. It was so embarrassing. It, hey, it did so you, funny. Did you strip down uh, 
so you wouldn't get your clothes wet in case you were out there for a while? Was that your thought exactly. process? I literally Mark. thought I was going to be out there because I I know people who have got towed in from that zone in this tournament. There's no towboat at Lake Mead, so it's going to have to be a like you or a bass boat to come get me. And you can't run full speed towing somebody. And, you know, it's what was that like 40 miles from the launch? You know, it's like I'm going to yeah. get in it. Yeah. One in the morning, you know, this is like I don't want my clothes wet, and because uh, it was the only pair I had, I didn't have any extra pair in the boat. And uh, I couldn't, I got everything put back together and it started. I couldn't believe it. It was like, oh my God, I'm so grateful. I don't have to sleep on this boat tonight. That was a miracle. <laughs> that was a miracle. I was just as happy, dude, because like I was ready to come. I was going to be the guy towing you, yeah, dude, because I was already invested. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it might worked out. Me. I wouldn't want to come get me either. <laughs> That's ahead, pretty Robbie. smart, though, to, to keep your, your clothes dry. Not a lot of people would have thought of that at that situation, yeah. but yeah. that's. Uh, Pretty smart move there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's funny. I did. So let's turn it to the fishing side of things. Uh, one, you know, we've got listeners all over, a lot of Western listeners, but we have a lot of Eastern listeners. And uh, I think it's kind of a misconception, not by everyone, but a lot of folks that, you know, some of the better dudes from the West are total finesse fishermen. And I know that's not the case with you, man. I know you're a really good power fisherman. Would you consider yourself uh, more of a power fisherman than finesse or, or, uh, or, or kind of a little bit of both? I, more both. I've definitely become more power as the last few years than I've gotten away from the, as I fish less and less in Southern California here and more I'm going to, you know, all these tournaments are at Mead. Havasu, Clear Lake, Delta, a little bit of Shasta, you know, more, definitely more on the, I've leaned more towards the power side than the finesse side. There's just not as much. I, I, I grew up out here fishing in 40 to 60 feet. You know, we just don't, you don't do that as much at those lakes and it's, it's just not there. So I've kind of gotten away from it as I've gotten older. That's cool. So What's your learning? So you mentioned the Delta and the Delta is a really unique body water because it's tidal and it's so different than everything else that's out here. And you grew up fishing deep, clear water. Like what was your learning curve like at the Delta, man? And what were some things that, um, you know, really helped you learn that place and, and do well there? Man, that place, that place still to this day, I'm sure anybody would say this. It's changes every year. I've been going now since 2013, I think was the first year I started fishing FLW and I have no bolt, no BS. I don't think I've ever caught them there in the same place twice. And I'll go once or two times probably every every year. And it's just the grass is always changing. The spots are always changing. The very the very first the best I've ever done there that was the first time I ever went. I got second in an FLW tournament. No way. And I got I, I got beat by uh, Mark Daniels Jr. Of course, uh, he just happened to to come back and fish the tour. It was his first year. He, he did the, the, he won that live in the dream or fishing the dream deal to go fish the FLW tour that year. And it, that tournament just happened to be on like, it was a holiday or something like mother. It's, the story's funny. It was like mother's day. So he came back to see his mom and like the tournament was going on. And so he jumped in it, borrowed a boat and won. Of course, <laughs> and the year like you finished second. Up. Yeah. Yeah, and it like set him up. He tells the story. That's what like set him up to go fish the tour was that year. But I thought winning that tournament and getting the boat and everything. But it's and I like that's I had one. I had like one like quarter mile stretch of river that I was fishing that I caught. Got like two nines, a bunch of five. Like the fishing was really good that year. A bunch of fives, 
And I've ne- I can't even get bit on that stretch of river anymore. Every single year I go back there and the grass isn't right. There's no fish. There's it's, it's crazy. Every single year you got to go somewhere different. And I like to do the, I like to do the chatterbait deal there. Like everybody else, I do throw the worm. I actually, the biggest fish I've caught there, I catch them on just the worm there. I like to throw the margarita mutilator worm there like everybody else. So on a drop um, shot too, right? Which a yeah. lot of people wouldn't guess. Yep. Yeah. Drop shot. They bite it on the guys are starting to get more into it the last couple of years, the, the last year they bite the, they actually bite the, the free rig really good there <laughs> that where you have that sliding weight on the front of it, that they, they kind of put that robo worm will float more off of it. And it kind of sits up above the ground. They bite that really good there. Can you talk little, about that? We've never talked about that on here, dude. Yeah. The, um, it's getting more and more popularity out here on the West coast. It, it's a, uh, so if you just have like a cylinder style drop shot weight, like, like everybody sells a drop shot weight that's the cylinder style, but it has to have the, uh, like a swivel on top of it, not a pinch so that the line can slide through the, through the, um, just the line can slide on the weight. You know, it's like a Texas trick, but instead you have that cylinder weight on the bottom. You're tying the weight on. You no, know, you don't tie it on. You literally just thread it on. Like you just thread, you just put it on your line, like through the through the through the eye. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so you just have your weight, and you put it, you put it through the, you put it on, and then you tie your hook on. Then you just have the sliding weight on in front of your worm or Texas rig, and it comes through. What it really is best for, it comes through rock really well. So like the last two years, it's like one of the only things I'll throw so I throw it way more than like a jig at Clear Lake and you put like a, a creature bait on there or I really like to throw like an eight or nine inch worm and it you snag one a fifth of the time it just comes through stuff really good but what it does is it it separates from the bait so like if you imagine like a, a creature bait or something and when you throw it like the weight goes down but the bait's kind of over here away from it so you can you like pull it up and it'll it'll come to the weight and then if you give it like a pop, like the weight will move, but your bait's still back over here and it comes up to it and it just comes through stuff better. And like on a robo worm, robo worm, like it, they, they float pretty good the way that they sit. And so like your weight will be, if you use a light one, like at the Delta, like your weight will be in the grass and your weight will, your fish, your, uh, your worm will kind of be floating back here behind and it just sits right above it. And then it'll, it goes down into it and you pop it and then the weight goes back in the grass and it kind of slips. You got to throw in your pool or something. It's pretty wow. cool. It's gotten really popular out here the last year. There's I'm assuming some, I'm assuming someone screwed up rigging up a drop shot when they got that thing out. Yeah, probably. Like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's interesting. Gotten, if you, if you get on YouTube and stuff, you'll see a lot of videos about it. It's that's probably the, the hottest thing that I've started doing the last year that catches a lot of it's and it's getting really popular out here. I really like the, my favorite thing to throw on it is the Z man stuff. Like I like that, they have that giant fatty Z, like which is like an eight inch worm, like anything that floats really good is really good. Cause that, it'll just, it'll come up away. It'll almost like you're fishing a bed fish and it'll, if you have enough weight in it, the, the worm will actually come off the bottom. And it'll go back down to the bottom and come off. Like if you use a really high, a heavy weight, it's cool. You need to try it for sure. <laughs> what size weights are you using? Three eighths and half ounce is the most. If, if I'm fishing a rock um, at the Delta, I'll use like three sixteenths. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a so cool it's deal. Almost, 
you, you're throwing and you're throwing it on a similar rod that you throw a, a, a jig or a Texas rig. Like it's exactly. not a spinning yeah. rod deal. It's a bait Same cast thing. deal. Yep. Okay. Same thing. Yeah. We threw the we used to, we throw the jig. We used to throw that jig rig a lot too. That's another yeah. thing that comes through the grass really good. It's kind of similar to that. Only it's not. It just it seems to come through even better than wow. when you've got it fixed on there. Yeah. Even more totally it, free. It gives the bait even more. Like it can move even more because it's not fixed to the weight. You know. Yeah, and you're unlimited on the weights and, and the hooks that you can use, right? The jig rig was only yeah. X amount of sizes same, of weights and hooks. So same drop shot weights, every or same weights that you have in your box already. You just yeah. can't use the pinch style, the ones that have the pinch because your line can't slide. I use the I use Picasso. Picasso makes a really good one that they're sold out always. I gotta think it's because guys are using this thing. But yeah, they have the they have the swivel on top. That's cool. Well, thanks for sharing, dude. Yeah, I think uh, you know. <laughs> some things like your region is just a little bit ahead of a lot of other parts of the country. Like you guys have this, the water is the bodies of water. Is so pressured. Um, there's a lot of good fishermen and uh, you've got to constantly be finding new ways to catch the fish, man. It's amazing how conditioned they get to certain baits. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And it's, it's still like that. Now the fish are so pressured. It's funny. The fish, the fish are pressured. They still bite pretty good though. When you, when you've got the right stuff and there's just bigger ones, there's, there's huge ones out here. There's so many big ones. Um, and they, if you've got that weird stuff, like guys are always just looking for something different. Um, I've gotten really into the stuff that doesn't like paddle or move like, like kind of like a spy bait. Like I know you guys throw the spy bait a lot, like yep. things that don't, you just wind like the fish are on shad out here right now busting and stuff and if you throw like a bait that paddles or you throw like a fluke in there and twitch it around they don't bite it but we've gotten really into stuff that just you just wind it straight and it doesn't move like that's that's really hot right now around here like with the guys that know we throw that um the bastrix swim baits have come back a little bit like there's a new guy brian this guy from casitas he's, okay. he's the company back and they make this thing called a flash tricks that's just, it looks like a Bastrix with no paddle on it. It's just straight, but it's got the big eyes and everything on it. And you just wind that thing straight. It does absolutely nothing. And it what does it look like? It just looks like, it just literally just goes straight and it'll, you can, it'll wander a tiny bit left and right. And they just, it looks like something that's gotten away from the, like a shad that's yeah. jacked up and he's gone away. But if, and they just absolutely blast it, like just something that you can do it like with a, with a fluke or something. And, but like less movement is the hot deal is is by far like no twitching it you just wind it straight like be it on the surface and they absolutely blast in that stuff right now very interesting it, it does make sense though winning a lot of tournaments out here like any sort of like little I, I know there's a bunch of japanese companies that make them it just looks the stuff that just looks exactly like a fish but you're like how the hell do i rig this and make this actually work you they, they call them like drop shot baits you just throw that those deals out there and wind them straight and they blast them. I can see it working on a few of our lakes and we've seen this, the spy bait is about as far as we've gone. And, and I mean, dude, uh, Rob's seen it. I know you've seen it, right? Like we got fish that are schooling and on bait that you, when the scrounger first came out, they would crush a scrounger. Now they won't touch a scrounger. Uh, you get throw an underspin for a while. Now they don't touch an underspin mm. and they'll eat a spy bait still, but, but not much else. Right. Do you agree, Rob? Yeah. Yeah. It's they just, like, so it, oh, sorry. Sorry. They just get conditioned to it. They get conditioned to that action and it totally makes sense. Yeah. The next thing below a spy bait is like, so yeah, if you look them up like a bass tricks, flash tricks and just wind the thing straight 
it's it's like about it's like a obviously you can't fish it as deep like it's for fishing in zero to five feet of water but it's just just wind it straight and there's even less motion than wow. few little props dude on the opposite end of that are you guys uh throwing an a-rig much still out there or is that um you know so conditional that it's not really even much of a factor anymore dude yeah they definitely don't bite that thing like they used to got like i was just thinking like havasu they used to just crush that thing for the first few years and now it's I can't even get bit on that thing hardly at all. They'll bite it at some of the lakes around here in the winter. You catch a few. It's definitely not like it was though. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Do you, do you feel Havasu fish is similar to your Southern California lakes as far as because yes. of the pressure? Yeah. Havasu is 100% turned into like a Southern California lake because Havasu is different than Mead or Mojave or any of the other lakes. There's fish everywhere at Havasu. Like you're yeah. always – I don't care what part of the lake you're in, like you're around them and you got to get them to bite there. I think like Lake, Lake Mead, I think the majority of the time, if you put your bait in front of one, like he bites it, especially like yeah. if that fish is in zero to 20 feet and there's whatever, whatever you're throwing, the worm goes by him. The, if it's at the right water depth that he wants, like he's going to bite it. But at Havasu, I think all the, every one of those cages and brush piles, there's fish in all those things. There's, and you got to make them bite like the most popular the way all the tournaments have been won there this fall is guys are cranking. But what guys don't know, like they're not, like you see all these pictures, like you go on the MLF website and see all the pictures where everybody at that tournament we had last month was cranking, right? But what they don't realize is all those guys is they're wind, they're not just throwing it out and winding it in like slow steady. They throw it out. They wind it as fast as they can. The fish are in the, they're in the grass mostly. They're in cages a little bit, but they're sitting down there, but they will not bite that thing unless it, reacts in front of their face so all these guys they wind it as fast as they can into the grass and they rip it out as hard as they can and they're doing that every single cast and every you rip it one time and you catch a four or five pounder you know and it's not it's their condition and you have to make them bite like they they don't want to bite but if it comes in front of their face like that and their rips they bite and it's just you have to make them bite they don't they don't want to bite like they do it like need they want to bite they're hungry there's not a lot of boat pressure and yeah, there's but like there's it's like a half a way. half a dozen bait fish in Lake Mead. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> the entire lake. It's yeah, a little different. Than half a this soon. year, this year was definitely better. There was a lot of like Josh thought there was a lot of bait this year. So the fishing yeah, was the fishing was way better this year than it's been the last two years. Yeah. I was blown away because the water's so low. Like I didn't expect it to be healthier, but uh yeah, last never... year was terrible. It was so it rough was. last year. I think I think I finished 11th last year and there was like seven of us that caught a limit every day. Like it was, Oh my God. And it was catch five. It was terrible this year. It was, it was fun this year. I wish it would have been three days, but yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Kyle, what, what's your, what's your take on the Mojave or the, um, the Laughlin open? Is that going to be insane? I, I think so. It's too, so I'm like, I'm really torn on it. I'm, I'm su- I think it's a great idea. Obviously he's doing it when I think it was the only time he could do it. Because the uh, the city, that's when they want them there in the summer. There's so many family boaters. Um, it's really rough for somebody like me that has to work. Like even though I know I fish a lot, I do have to work. Like still, like I still make my money selling boats, and I fish FLW, so or I fish MLF. So I can't. The tournaments are so packed in there now. So you have like Mojave the last week of. Uh, it's two weeks before the Cal Open in April, and then the MLS two weeks after that. So I, I, I think it's the only one I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to make that one. 
but the weights are going to be insane. The guys are going to have a blast. I, I wish it was more spread out a little bit just so that I could go and some of the, I think there's some of the working guys that, are, that can't make it. Um, but I still think he's going to get 150 plus boats and it'll yeah. just, it'll probably, a lot of the guys that, that fish there a lot are probably not stoked on it because probably not. Yeah, true. when, when people see when it's in the paper and everything, and there's all these 18 plus pound bags of smallmouth coming in, yeah, I think it'll, it'll, it'll become a destination already, for guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's already yeah. started. So I think this is what happened to have, although Havasu has the city right on top of it, which is what jacked it up. You know, Havasu used to be just like that. I can remember going to Havasu, 10 12 years ago when it's like it was kind of like mojave is now like it was kind of quiet like the local guys knew but in when those smallmouth came up and started spawning it was just unbelievable one cast every, they're still like that when you see them but kept so many four pounders at havasu and i think all the snowbirds you know you talk to the local guys and the snow the snowbirds got they all they're all there in the winter time they all have you know fishing barge pontoon boats you can go to site six and get live shad and they've just decimated the smallmouth population in that place. It's definitely not as good as it used to be. Um, I think it'll, I hope it, I don't, I don't think it has, it, there's not enough people there like in space that could do that, but it'll definitely put some pressure on it. Cause it's already all the, there's all these clubs down in Southern California that we have come into the shop, you know, every, and they all have their tournaments. They all, the last two years, they all go and have tournaments. Oh, really? They don't even go to Mo they don't even go to Havasu. I don't think anymore. Most of those guys, they're at Mojave now. Interesting, because they want to go catch twenty pounds of smallmouth off beds, you know. And it's just, hopefully, I think the lake is, it shouldn't get pressured that much, but it'll, hopefully, it doesn't do that to that place like Havasu. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, it's it's definitely the last really awesome hidden gem, so to speak, that we've got out here. And it's it's like you said, it's already be being more known, but it's definitely going to sh shine more light on it for sure. Yeah. I think it's, it's for sure the last gen. And I, this is going to sound crazy because I have all my, I haven't been, I still haven't been since the, since it's become this insane smallmouth fishery. Well, they haven't had the tournaments dude. And I live like yeah. only like uh, five hours away and I'm the same way. I never go. And I, I, I always say I'd love to go, but I'm in the same spot. I got two young kids, three and five. And like, uh, you just, you can justify when you're, going to a tournament but it's really hard to be like yeah i'm gonna go for the weekend for fun you know oh, i've yeah. been gone yeah. for the last you know three of the last five weeks already you know it's like okay well your clothes will be on the uh uh on the, in the driveway when you come back <laughs> yeah that won't that wouldn't go well over here either <laughs> yeah. uh so hey dude uh i know uh you know you got the day off and you got stuff to do but um one last thing i wanted to ask you know our, our listeners love like crazy travel stories, bad hotel stories, silly stuff that happens on the water. I text uh, Scott Hellison to see if he had any good stories I could tee up and he didn't really have too much. He's like, he said the only stuff I've got is inappropriate. So, uh, do you, uh <laughs> or do you have something funny about him or do you have uh, just a funny travel story in recent memory that you can think about, you know, tournament to or from a tournament? I've got funny travel story from a, from a I have a couple funny just travel stories in general. Uh, I went like seven, eight years ago. Me and my dad, we went to uh, my dad took me to Brazil to go uh, peacock oh, bass cool. fishing. I have a bad story. It's not. It's it's kind of not gross. It's just 
Let's hear it, dude. It's funny. We were, so I was out fishing with one of his buddies and we're in this, uh, we're on the river and you're just beyond, it's is the middle, we're on the Manaus River, which is just the, as far in the middle of nowhere as you can be. You fly, it's fly to Florida, fly to, fly to Manaus and then fly two hours into the jungle to this houseboat, middle of nowhere. And we're fishing, having a good time. And we're going, you go into backwaters constantly, like these guys chop into spots um, with the, with the machete, you know, you're going back and this guide, I'm on the, I'm on the front of the boat and this guy, he's going through this super narrow canal and he hits this, he runs into this tree. And when he hits this tree, like maybe like five seconds goes by and all of a sudden just, I feel like someone jumped on my back. Like this, this giant thing just lands on me everywhere. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a termite hive, but like they're like five feet thick. They're, they're like five, six feet long. This termite, this, these, they're like nests. They look like a, like a like a bee nest like a, this thing fell off of this tree from like a hundred feet in the air and landed no way on it. yeah oh. absolutely obliterated with termites all over my entire body the whole boat everywhere probably the grossest thing that's oh. ever that's yeah it was I had to take just like my last story I had to take all the clothes off <laughs> jump in the river clean the this guy like takes everything out of the boat and dumps it all out it was Oh my god, that's probably the grossest thing that's ever nasty. Covered yeah. in termites. What are the yeah. odds? Termites. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> How was the fishing down there? It was fun. The water was kind of high, so it's it's better when it's low. Like you watch video like if you ever watch the videos of guys fishing down there, you want it to be low because the jungle is so flat that if the water comes up like two feet, then the water just goes forever back into the jungle and they can they can get back in there. So we, I mean, we caught 10, 12 fish a day. It's unbelievable though. Catching one of those peacock bass biting a, a big prop bait, you know, it's one of the most unbelievable explosions I've ever seen. I will say though, we went, um, my dad likes to go on, on travel adventures like that, but my favorite, I went to, uh, uh, I went red fishing two years ago for bull reds in Lynn, uh, Louisiana. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. Never done it. That, those things, if they jumped, those that would be the ultimate game fish of all time. Those things, it's like catching a tuna in five feet of water. And the whole time we were throwing, uh, we were there for like four days, and they're you know they're fifteen to forty pounders. You're catching them on whopper ploppers. God. And most most of the guys you see catching them on the on the popping cork, you know. But those things smash top water, and. It's unbelievable watching a 30 to 40 pound fish eat your top water and you know, I'm catching them all day. That if all I day. could do one, I've done some trips of all the trips I've done. I think that's the most fun one and it's easy to get there. You know, one plane flight to Louisiana, it's right there in new Orleans, your way out there in Venice. And I would, I highly, highly, highly recommend everybody goes and does that. Cause that's, that's the funnest, one of the funnest trips I've ever done. Is there a certain time of year that you recommend? The fall. The fall oh. is when the bull reds are up there. They're up there from, they're still catching them now. Um, Ron Price is like, if anybody decides to go look, Ron, Ron Fish Intimidator, that's the absolute best guy. That's who Hank okay. Parker goes with, all his TV shows there. That's, that's the guy to go with. But I want to say the problem is it's during monsoon season. 
So you can, or the, the hurricanes and everything. So, but anywhere from, I want to say about like August till right about now, November, December is when it ends. That's the time to go. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. That's awesome. Venice is unreal, dude. I mean, like that in itself is amazing and totally worth going for. You know, you stay inshore and you can catch when it's good, a hundred bass a day flipping and you go further offshore and you can catch sailfish and every other type of deep sea fish you could think of so it's man yeah. it's it's a fishing mecca down there yeah it's it's so much biomass of fish just in general when you're there just everywhere there's fish it's that's that's a really special place down there seriously well man that's cool uh this has been awesome dude and i know we're uh, running short on time but uh dude we appreciate you coming on uh we'd love to have you on again man this is uh, yeah i know you've got more stories but uh this has been great yeah, Kyle, yeah thank guys, you mention to your dad that we'd love to have him on too so. yeah you guys would i'm i'm not that great I mean, you guys would really i'll talk to him this week you guys do you have my dad on he's got he's got the good stories that you ever the guys that really like just fishing history would really like yep. he's got some good yep. ones yeah it'd be really That'd cool be yeah no and this was yep. great you were awesome dude but yeah please uh, talk to him and uh yeah, man. Good luck with uh, with. Do you have any more tournaments coming up before the new year? Or not really. No, man. We're done till I'm done till Havasu in February. Are you going to be at that first uh, Juan Bass tournament, or you'll be I back? Think, I think I've got an overlap, unfortunately, dude. So that's a yeah. real. I'm really bummed about that. But uh, yeah, yeah, that. Uh, All right. But yeah, thanks, man. And uh, shoot, we will uh, we'll talk to you soon, Kyle. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. See Thank you, bro. You.